0: Today's episode is sponsored by Youmore. Youmore helps us better understand and uplift our mental health with instant screening, data tracking, insights, and targeted exercises. I've had the pleasure of having both co-founders on the podcast, and I really admire what they do and love their vision behind the company. Youmore is the AI-powered mental well-being tracker that helps you build positive habits, change behaviors, and share your progress with friends, family, and physicians. Youmore's vision is to make mental health as seamless and as accessible as possible, Its purpose is to act as a support and prevention tool and to provide you with the data and insights to help you develop an awareness of your current mental state and stress levels. The way it works is very simple. You download the app for free on your smartphone, you fill in a quick questionnaire that will assess how you're currently feeling, which will act as a starting point, and it will check in with you daily to track your well-being over time and so that you are able to see your progression day by day. Youmore also gives you access to many evidence-based exercises which are designed to help you live your happiest and healthiest life. The goal of YouMore is to be your friend, is there to help and support you in your mental health journey. And to find out more, you can check out their website at YouMore.app. Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. Today's guest is Giovanni Letford. Giovanni is a globally recognized international DJ and BBC One radio presenter who has been mixing for the past 10 years and has collaborated with some of the world's largest artists such as Craig David, Ed Sheeran, Calvin Harris and more. He started off his career working as a lawyer for many years and building up his music career on the side. And after going through an unexpected life-changing event, decided to leave the corporate world to focus on his passion of music full-time. During this episode, we discussed his journey transitioning from law to music. He shared with us an incredible story involving a certain member of the royal family and how that affected his music career. And we talked about DJing in all aspects and the importance of branding yourself to further your career. And the last message he wanted to share is don't wait for anyone, create your own opportunities, and if you don't ask, the answer will always be no. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Giovanni
1: Letford. Hey man, thanks for, for having me. How's how's it going?
0: All good, man. All good. Uh, as you know, Christmas time, uh, mm. busy friends in town, you know, doing all that stuff. Uh, and I know you, you've you been having a similar experience as well. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: yeah. He, like my cousin just surprised me as well. Um, flew into Dubai yesterday, so... I was out last night, you know. So it's, yeah, you know, it's good to catch up with people over this time, isn't it? So.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. It's it's like Christmas time, family time. You know that that's kind yeah. of how the vibe is. Thanks mm. for coming on the show, man. I appreciate your time. Not no. Yeah, pleasure. Uh, uh, and thank you again. This is guys. This is uh, round two. In the first <laughs> hour that we recorded. Was not recorded on this fucking mic, so uh, thank you, Jeff, to for his patience and no, his no, patience with this man. Practice makes perfect, man. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Got to make mistakes at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Jeff, me and you met, um, uh, I think a few weeks ago, uh, through through my fiance and your girlfriend, and we were talking about the work you do. You know, I know you're um, a DJ and a producer and so on, and that you have this really interesting story how you transitioned into music and so on. Mm. Um, so I thought I'd love to talk to you today about, you know, your journey with music, how you know, how you got to this point, you know, what have you learned along the way and like just talking about DJing and music, you know, music in general. Yeah, yeah, But before we get into everything, Jeff, why don't you give all of us a little bit of background about yourself and we'll take it from there.
1: Yeah, sure. So, yeah, my name's is Giovanni Letford. Um, I am a DJ, music producer, radio host and pretty much anything in the creative spaces um, yeah. and I'd say if you'd asked me say five or six years ago what I'd do, um, my response would have been completely different. I would have told you I'm a corporate lawyer, corporate yeah. commercial lawyer. Yeah, um, yeah and I, I live in Dubai now. Um, I've lived in Dubai for just over a year, mm. um, enjoying it. And yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell, really.
0: Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Mm. And um, so guys, we just had a full hour of this, so I can, I'm can i gonna take kind of what we spoke about and try to like add on top, like layer on top mm-hmm. of that. Um, uh, so I know your background is in law right and yeah. you did uh, you qualified to be a lawyer and stuff, and then you made this transition into music so it's kind of like a complete you know one uh, 180 and I really loved when you were talking when we were talking earlier about how you decided to make that transition and why you decided to make it so could you walk us through that journey of like you mm. know law to music
1: yeah so I think ultimately I've always been in and around music uh, my dad DJed when I was younger, Um, although at the time I I hated it. Like um, I used to just want to watch TV and he'd be playing loud music um, and like reggae music. And I'm just like, like, let me just watch my cartoons, man. (laughs) But like, um, so I've always been around music. My mum used to sing in the kitchen all the time and she was like cooking and stuff. And then I think I've always been a creative as well. I used to go to drama school when I was younger. However, like my mum always said to me when I was younger, like I wanted to be an actor. Um and I'd you know, done a few sort of like films and stuff when I was like a kid and that was like what I really wanted to do. And my mum was like, Giovanni, just like you know, do something that you can, you know, like go to uni, you know, and at least once you've got your degree you can fall back on sure the acting or anything else and stuff and yep. um like my my parents hadn't been to uni before. Um my mum, she basically um she was born in Sheffield, which okay. is, um, and she moved to London. I think when she was sixteen, and she's her first role was a typist in, um, oh no in way. Like, in, like a magistrate's court or what have you. And yeah, then yeah, She worked her way up to the point where she, um, she, when she left um, her, like, because she set up her own business up like, before um, setting up her own business, she was like in charge of like I think it was like four four London boroughs, um, okay. like the magistrate's court. So she like literally, you know like that that definition of like working your way up to the top sort of yeah. thing. That's kind yeah, yeah, of what yeah. she'd done. Um, but so for her, I guess her passion for me wanting to get a degree is because she hadn't got one. And perhaps she'd seen where, you know, maybe some doors took longer to open because she didn't have necessarily the degree at the time. So um, yeah, like I'd, you know, gone to uni and, 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 I chose to study law. I think at the time, the only reason why I was into law is I used to watch like crime dramas and stuff. and
0: <laughs> Like suits and all yeah, that. Yeah, 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 and
1: then like, I was just like, oh, like. but the only law I knew was at the time was criminal law. Okay. Yeah, I didn't, okay. I didn't know that there was like a corporate world or commercial world or, you know, um, it wasn't until I went to uni and then I started to like discover business law, like medical law, family law and intellectual property and stuff like that. And um, I guess with the music stuff, um, intellectual property, IP, that kind of interested me like from a copyright point of view and all sure. of that sort of stuff. yeah, yeah. And then yeah, like um, went to law school, um, did the LPC, got my training contract. Um, prior to that, did my internships, vaccines schemes and stuff. And, you know, I saw myself really wanting to be a lawyer. Like that was like my passion at the time, you know, the, the, the DJing at the time was was just like a side side hobby thing. Um, okay. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I got my training contract, trained, qualified, and then um, I qualified into like commercial intellectual property, Then I took a role at Nissan as legal counsel for Nissan was um, legal counsel for Europe. So um, and Benelux and so basically, literally everything um, from distribution to personal injury to competition advertisements. Yeah, yeah. literally it was it was quite intense actually, Um, but I enjoyed it and I got like a a car. That's always nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So like um, and then um, I left Nissan um, and then eventually went to um, Good Hair Day, GHD, they do like hair straighteners and stuff, Um, and I was legal counsel for them, similar sort of role to at Nissan. And then, yeah, like eventually I found myself transitioning out of law into, you know, doing the the, the music stuff more, yeah, um, yeah, full time, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, And like we were talking about earlier, I think it's really interesting that even after you um, you you qualified as a lawyer, even now with the music that you do, you still do some stuff on the side, like some work, you know. So mm. it's um, like your your failsafe is kind of building with you, you know, because mm. you're building that portfolio, of working with different types of clients and so on, separate from your, like the thing you love to do, which is like music, you know, yeah. and production. I think which is pretty awesome. I'm I'm curious if you ha- if you had the chance from the beginning. Mm-hmm. To go straight into like you know uh, draw like to like if your if your parents hadn't said like you know you don't need to get a degree like just from now you can go pursue your thing. Mm. Do you think you would have done that? Do you think it would you would have been further along than you are now? Or like when you look back in hindsight, are you like are you comfortable with that decision?
1: I think yeah. I think I'm ultimately I'm comfortable with the decision. Sure. Um, I feel like there's been, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I learned along the way um, through going through that process of, you know, becoming a lawyer um, that I think has really sort of set me up in good stead today, you know, um, from like, you know, just the ability to kind of, you know, stick at something and, you know, the discipline that, that comes with, you know, like focusing on one thing. and yeah. Um, And yeah, like I also think that just from a, a business acumen point of view, I probably learned quite a lot, you know. Exactly. Being, yeah. yeah, being a lawyer and, and yeah. looking at businesses and helping businesses and stuff, and also now, like when it comes to like my my events company or or any of my other businesses, like a lot of the time I'll look at the contracts myself, you know. So exactly. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, and when it comes to like IP and copyright, etc., you know, I, I think a lot of creatives, especially historically, um, they sometimes can get taken advantage of because they don't necessarily have the knowledge or, you know, or know how to kind of, you know, like, def- not even defend, defensive one would know how to kind of present themselves, you know, sure. when it comes to certain contracts and stuff. So definitely that, um, for me, I don't regret going through what I went through. Sure. Sometimes I do think, though, like, um, I look at, like, so I, obviously I DJ for KSI and stuff, and yeah, yeah. You know, he dropped out of college, you know, and you look at, like, say, Kanye West college <laughs> dropout, and, you know, and you look at like Jay-Z and, you, you know, even like DJ Khaled and all these sort of people. And, you know, you look at, and a lot of them tend to not have necessarily got the, you know, pursued that career, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. But I think, you know, everything happens for a reason. And, for sure. you know, like, like I'm I'm happy and excited with the journey that I'm on, you know? So, yeah, I think, you know, if if given the opportunity, could I be like where I am today without having gone through or enjoyed, you know, the process of becoming a lawyer, I'd say, um, no, I, I still would have gone through that, you know, like, I've made lifelong friends, you know, doing that. Do and, that yeah, and it yeah. shaped yeah. me to be who I am today, so.
0: 100%. No, and I think that may, I think you made, uh, referencing, like, those guys is a good point, but mm. at the same time, I think it's, if you look, if you're being realistic, like, how many, like, of those guys are there in the world that haven't made it? Mm. And, and you know, and never have, and yeah. they're still, you know, trying to do that, and still struggling to get, you know, to get to that stage and i think that you mentioned a good point about how it you the business acumen that you get from that that experience and mm. that the fact that contracts and all that kind of stuff you can do it you know you understand you know the legal terms and like how it works so mm. you make sure like you don't get screwed over or people you're working with don't as well and i think it now you, and now you can do two you know you you have two different you know two different avenues that you can go by and you can do them both mm, which yeah, i think exactly. is pretty cool too so if you're interested you know can continue interested in this and you know still do still do the music as well mm. um and so i know uh you mentioned that you've been djing professionally loud for about five or six uh, like about f- probably five six years now mm-hmm. uh and you were telling me earlier about how different we were talking about how different events have different pressures so things like uh, a wedding DJ or a corporate DJ yeah, yeah. or like a tour DJ, for example. So could mm. you tell us, I guess, different pressures that you've
1: experienced or felt working in
0: those different like
1: areas? Yeah, yeah. So I'd say, yeah, professionally, I've been DJing for, f- say, five, six years as a professional. But um, I first started DJing in 2010, so maybe 11 years or so. Um, and there's definitely like every, every gig comes with some sort of pressure. Like, yeah. Um, and I think the moment that, you know, I start to turn up to. I mean, like even like the easiest of gigs. You know, like my own parties, for example. Yeah. Um. There's a there's a pressure, not necessarily on the DJ inside, maybe, but like you know, there's an issue at the door, someone can't get in, or you know, and mm. and then someone comes to me with an with an issue, and I'm like, oh, I just want to DJ, and like, <laughs> yeah, like even at yeah. my brunch last week, um, like, like no no one from the venue came up to me once. I'm standing around, and as soon as I jump on the decks, it's like. Now all these issues are here. Like yeah. it's like why didn't you ask me before I jumped on the <laughs> decks and then and then like so like someone's like, Oh, someone's downstairs and I was like, Okay, well who? <laughs> like, um, <laughs> yeah, I need some more information. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And um but yeah, like I think, you know, I've had pressures in, in all forms. So like from um I guess like a wedding point of view, like there was a, a particular wedding I DJed at and um the bride her family were well she, the bride was from Canada but her parents are Ghanaian, so she flew in her family from Ghana and then the groom um he's from England and his his family are, from, are English and um they both got married um they're actually both good friends of mine and um they um they like we you know we'd gone through a brief of like music policies and stuff and um but like so the Ghanaian family they wanted like afro beats and stuff and um the the so the Ghanaian mother in particular and the English mother um she wanted like Um, more sort of like Rod Stewart and you know um, I guess a lot more sort of I guess I guess stuff that you'd hear at traditional English weddings Sure, sure Yeah, the classics um, Yeah, yeah, yeah Yeah, yeah. And so like um, I was you know navigating between the two and (laughs) stuff and that but literally I felt like I was being pulled both sides by like you know um, like literally um, and it got to the point where I was just like this is I feel like they're almost competing with each other. You know? <laughs> like, you know, Who's like, going to get the music? Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, know, yeah. like you go to a club or something, and like me as a DJ in the club, and sometimes you know you might depending on what type of club it is. There, there might be like a music artist on one side of the club, and then he buys a bottle, and then and then another music artist is on the other side. and He's like, oh no, I want to get one, and then they're like competing. Yeah, it, it was like that, but it was this time it was me in the middle, and they were like stretching. Yeah. You know? And then, <laughs> but it got to the point that was probably the most stressful gig, and I was like, I, I joked with the masters I was like, look, guys, I love you both, but um. I'm never doing an interracial <laughs> wedding again. Like, <laughs> but to be honest with you, like, um, I mean, I have done interracial weddings since then, and so that was a pressure in terms of, I guess, appealing to different demographics and stuff, yeah, you know, which is unique to a wedding compared to say, you know, if I'm DJing in a club or a bar where people that are going to that particular venue are have similar music tastes and similar. You're going interests. for that kind of vibe, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, and then I guess, yeah, another pressure was when um, I was on tour with KSI and. Um, you know, I pushed play on a on a track and the song I pushed play on didn't come out. It was another song that I had no control of. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I pushed stop. And then he looks at me and he's like, oh, what's, like going, what's on? going on? Yeah. And then I'm like, look, and I've turned the volumes down and the music's still playing. Like, and I'm like, <laughs> it's, it's not me. Not me, me, like, not me yeah, um, yeah. And then that was basically the production team, like the sound guys and stuff. I think they had their Spotify, or something (laughs) connected and then um they forgot to switch it switch it over so that was what was playing and it was it was some random song as well like like nothing to do with anything yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. um so yeah like i think they all come with their pressures i do feel like the pressures that i get from djing are pressures that i'm a lot more happy to endure than the pressures at the most you know when i was doing law like you know when i was doing all my like Mm -hmm. late nights and you know in in law like those, those were precious because I guess with music I'm passionate about it and I enjoy exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. Whereas with, with Lord the only reason my, I was there, I, I wasn't really enjoying it. It was more like literally there just for for, for the security of a good career and, and what comes with that. Like But ultimately, when it came down to, you know, doing like 3 a.m., like finishing at 3 a.m., 4 a.m. on a, like a banking deal or something, like, I hated it yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 i can imagine whereas like you know at 3am if if i'm getting shouted at by someone that's saying pay hey, justin Bieber." like that's <laughs> that's much better than you know yeah like, yeah yeah it's yeah. a lot easier to handle it's yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah
0: okay yeah I can, I can throw that in quick fix
1: yeah, yeah yeah,
0: um i was thinking about something that you uh, on the the wedding example that you said mm. and uh interracial weddings and that they're you know different cultures different kind of music mm. do you like Let's say you had to play a wedding, for example, another mm-hmm. one, different people of different cultures, but it's, for example, maybe like, um, I don't know, Spanish, French music, Arabic music, you know, a very music that is not, that you don't really, like, know yourself. Yeah. Have you had those experiences? And if you have, is it, how challenging has it been to understand, like, how to even mix
1: those together yeah. in, like, a nice way, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, with weddings, I well, I, I mean, because, you know, I've done, you know, like, for example, a couple of Indian weddings and... And um, what I do with any sort of like briding or couple um, is I'll sit down with them, whether that's in person or over Zoom or on the phone, just to find out what music they like, their do's and don'ts and stuff. And then eventually together we create like a, a 20 to 50 track song list of stuff that they definitely want in there. We tend to do it on Spotify because we can share the playlist yeah, and stuff. Yeah, it's easier, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, um, yeah, like I, um, you know, like for example, this is Indian running in particular there was like a load of Bollywood songs that they wanted to play. So they gave me the names of them. I was like, if any of them that you've got, um you can do it one of two ways. Like you can either give me the names, I'll go and, I'll go and source them. Um or like if you wanted to send me them, most of the time I'll just go and source them so it's easier for the Biden and groom and that. And then um yeah like I'll I'll listen to them beforehand and stuff and then Okay. Um yeah, like eventually on the night sort of I'll I'll have my folders. So like in my on my laptop um I've got my different folders and and within like my folder so that there's like my club stuff and then I can minimize that and then a little bit later further down it's corporate stuff and I can minimize that and then there's mm. the wedding one and then every single wedding that I've done there's like a, a playlist there sort of um and sometimes I find that like there's there's tracks that are common with a load of the weddings and stuff and then it's like, okay, true actually yeah 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 but then like the Indian wedding so like the, that particular couple within there there's a load of like their, say Bollywood songs and stuff for that you know I've then gone and played and then to be honest with you like. I've then, because I've seen the reaction of them, when I've yeah. gone to like another place where I know that there's like maybe like a handful of like Indian people, I've, I've been like, let me just throw this in and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. going crazy for it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, think it's, I think what you said makes a lot of sense
0: about, uh, I think prepping beforehand, like going sourcing it yourself and like listening to it to give you an idea of like where could this fit in, how could this fit in mm. is super important. But that And when we were talking earlier, you were talking about how in the early days you used to have just a, like playing at clubs or whatever, just a track list. And the goal was to just, you know, focus on the the mixing and so on. And just to like play those tracks, like sequentially, that's how you thought the night should run. But Mm. you also talked about how important it is for you to notice the audience. And I'm guessing, have you like... I'm sure over time you you improve and you start reading the audience better. But are there, have there been times like I guess maybe earlier in your career when you're just following that track that you played a song, and you know the audience this doesn't doesn't kind of react to it, and other times
1: maybe when like you weren't playing the vibe of the audience, and then you played one and oh you caught them like that's how you yeah, got yeah. them. yeah yeah. So like when I first started DJing, like, I I can even remember like my first the first like club slash bar gig that I did. Um and I remember like I remember the like lead up to it, I was in my in my room and um, this was when I was on campus at uni still. And I'd like downloaded the songs that I wanted to play and i put them in order and I was like, this is how I'm gonna structure the set. Um and then so I went in to, to play it and I just kept my head down. I I played track one and I mixed in track two and I mixed in track three and I wasn't looking at the, the crowd at all or anything. So I didn't know if they were having a good time. And I think that was because I hadn't yet built the confidence to look up and look at the crowd and read the crowd. And, you know, and um, some of the songs they connected with. And then if I, would you know, if I would knew about reading the crowd, I would have probably been like, oh, wait, they're enjoying this style. More like, than more than that. Yeah, let yeah, me stick yeah. on this. But because I was following my track list, I just kind of just didn't see that they were like, yeah, yeah. And then I'll go to the next one. And then they might, their mood might have gone down. But because I'm not looking at them, I can't tell... Um, And it's only after a while you really then, I guess through being out watching other DJs, watching people in the club and people watching and stuff. And then, you know, the more you DJ, the more you're like, actually, yeah, you need to like pay to your audience. So then eventually I did like got this formula, which was wherever I DJed, whether I came in at the peak of the night or at the beginning of the night as people are coming in, I'd identify a group of girls and I'd be like, okay, that's who I'm playing for tonight. If these girls are happy and dancing, then they're gonna empower other women to dance and naturally the fellas the are gonna them. follow <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so yeah. <laughs> um so like yeah that's kind of the formula I've had and I mean now it's it's a bit different, it's a bit more like flexible. So sometimes it might be a group of guys that I wanna play for and stuff. And um yeah like I think definitely now, you know I've I think that's a, a key a key skill that a good DJ should have is the ability to to read the crowd and and know your audience yeah Mm.
0: exactly yeah so you can buy because like uh listening to you it's it's a it's kind of like a collaboration between you and the audience we both need to be on game for this you know to work like i need your help and they they need you to play the music to get them there Mm. but you need them to keep them there you know what i mean yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. Mm. um i was thinking you know when um like when you're djing and like you said there's sometimes you have you come on at the beginning sometimes you come on at the end of the night Mm. so different points in the night have uh, like even events or concerts whatever have different vibes and sometimes because i've heard like i've watched like you know on youtube and stuff like dj's talking about how like they're the headliner and the dj came that came on before Mm. just came and like played this like unbelievably like high energy music like maybe even some of like the big hits and like just kind of ruined that opening and mm. then they come in and it's like the crowd's already like here yeah, and that's yeah. not where you want to start and whatever so have you had those kind of experiences and like how does i guess because a night needs to have a flow mm. there needs to be a flow of music it needs to start somewhere and kind of build as it goes on so mm. could you ta- like walk me through like kind of the vibe of how that works yeah
1: yeah I, like completely so there's been countless times when like i've been booked to play say like midnight or something and um yeah, there's been countless times where I've been booked to play midnight and the DJ before me, for example, is I've come in and, and it's just high energy, high energy, high energy. And yeah. I'm just like, whoa, like. Yeah. <laughs> because ultimately, like I think a lot of there are a lot of DJs that don't understand the structure to an event. Um Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I think the reason why I perhaps understand it is because, you know, I before I was a DJ, I was phone parties and phone events. So I used to book DJs and I used to, you know, like, say this, the event was, say, 10 till 3 a.m., I'd be like, okay, 10 to 11 is a warm-up, so then I'd book a DJ and I'd be like, oh, this is the, the part of the night where you're warming the crowd up, so can you play this, et cetera. Then the next DJ, I'd be like, oh, can you play? It's not quite the peak of the night, but, you know, you want to take them out of the warm-up to, like, get them dancing and stuff. And I think because I had structured events like that, so when it came to me DJing, I always automatically knew that certain parts of the night required a different energy. Energy, exactly, um, yeah. But a lot of DJs that that DJ they don't necessarily know, know like that so like there's a DJ in, in Dubai actually I won't mention any yeah, names and stuff sure. and I've kind of had to he's actually a very well known DJ and stuff but he's he's only ever really done like main sets so okay. um, and then so when um, he started to DJ at my event in Dubai and you know like even if I wasn't sometimes I don't DJ at my event sometimes I'll just have other people DJing so there was this one time when I wasn't DJing I was just like wanting to observe the event and he started at like 10 p.m., 11 p.m. playing, like, all the bangers and stuff. And I was like, what's going to happen is that everyone's going to be excited and stuff. And then by, like, midnight, everyone's tired um, because they've burnt out, you know? Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. So what you want to do is you want to take them on a journey, you know, like, up, down and stuff, up, down. And even in the peak of the night, you know, like, you still want to, like, maybe play a couple of songs that you know um, a little bit less energetic but you know maybe some stuff that they can sing along to rather than jump to uh, yeah yeah yeah, then, yeah and then you know that will give them an opportunity to go and get a drink and then come back and go again you know so
0: yeah it's interesting and i guess from um from your uh, especially from your point of view because since you run it mm. so you're a dj and like the organizer of the event yeah, so yeah. when you're djing i guess you know you're in your vibe you know you can read the audience whatever but i think it's also interesting that when you're not you get that you know like third eye perspective you yeah, know what yeah, i mean yeah. you see okay how is this running based on like what music they're playing and stuff and i guess that kind of or does that help you like getting that information when you're just observing does that help you like the next
1: time you're going to play like how to like read the event and manage it better? yeah definitely and to be honest with you even like when i'm if i have a set i like to go a little bit earlier so i can see how they're reacting to what's being played already okay and then i could be like okay this hasn't been played or this has been played what um what can I do now to like I've seen that the audience are either a bit flat or very energetic. How can I kind of do my set to give the audience the best experience basically yeah. based on where they're at now? Yeah. Um, you know, that there, there have been times when, you know, the DJ performing has been mad energetic. So then I've had to come on and rather than, you know, instantly come and flatten the thing, I've had to come on, on that same energy. Yeah. And then eventually slowly but bring it back round again so yeah that-
0: like you know level it out kind yeah, of, right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. and i think um yeah like when it's such high energy it might like cuz i think as a dj you want i think no matter what time you're playing and what thing you like you want to begin that journey from whatever point that the thing is at yeah. you know but if you're already like at the end it's really hard it's because hard, you don't yeah. want to bring it back down because everyone's already vibing, you know, mm-hmm. especially when you start playing like the old school classics that everyone's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, exactly. like yeah, so yeah, easy and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I was curious. So I asked you earlier what it means to be a good DJ and you said two things. It was a combination of, I guess, um, uh, f- technical talent, you know, mm-hmm. being able to mix and so on, but also reading the reading the audience. Mm. Is there another factor about being a good DJ that maybe we haven't talked about or an area that people don't talk about uh, enough that you've maybe learned from your
1: experience? Um, yes, yeah, so I think, yeah, you know, obviously technical skills and then, you know, reading the audience. And I think aside from that, I think it's just about knowing that, like, it's not always about, it's not about you, you know? Ah, there you mm. go. Um, So, like, a lot of, people might think, oh, it's about the DJ and stuff, but you know, like for me sort of like, yeah, I love it when people are like coming up to me like, oh yeah, yeah. but ultimately like, the moment it's all about me and I'm just playing to myself or playing because I want to just impress people about me rather than playing to make people have a good time. Mm. Then that's when, from my observations of other DJs and experiences in general, that's when you as a DJ like start to lose your connection with the audience and stuff. Okay, um, interesting. Yeah, like I've you know I've seen DJs that will like play to impress other DJs, you know that are around and stuff. And but then like you know ultimately you, you might impress that other DJ, but then the the person that's booked you or the person that you know might book you in the future to DJ, they might just be like, uh, actually no, he, he didn't. I didn't quite connect with that person, you know.
0: Okay, yeah, that's interesting mm-hmm. because I think um, I guess because I think with every Uh, with every art form there's i think that struggle whether it's photography whether it's art whatever between doing what i want to do and i guess doing what people are gonna like gravitate to yeah yeah. you know there's that different thing sometimes you know you're lucky when you hit that one that it all connects but not a a lot of time you know um it's not necessarily like that Mm, right mm, mm. so it's kind of like um it's interesting it's because it's it's almost a different way of like looking at it. It's I think a lot of people maybe thought. I'm curious. Earlier in your career, mm. was it? I'm guessing it would have been more about because you, you're still getting earning your stripes and whatever, and you're trying to build your your name as a DJ. Was it more about let me? I want to do the best job like the way I want to do it, so people start recognizing me. Did it mm-hmm. take you time? this time to make realize that I
1: make that adjustment. Um. Yeah. Actually. Um. Yes. And no. So I think I always. I always knew, so based on my experience, so one thing I, I guess I, that we didn't touch on earlier actually was um, one of the things that made me decide that I really wanted to get into DJing yeah. as well um, was that like I had an event on and, sorry, I was DJing last night, so I think I <laughs> had an event on and <laughs> okay. um, I, um, I booked this DJ and I was like, look, whatever you do, there's, that, this half an hour, I just want at least half an hour of you playing Tupac and Biggie classics, you know? And um, like he didn't play anything of it. And I was just like, right, why like, why didn't he? And the frustration for me there was like, like, one, I love music so much. And two, you know, at the time I wasn't technically, didn't really know how to DJ and stuff. And I was like, but if I knew how to DJ, then I would have just done it myself. And so that's one of the, the things that was like, you know what, actually, yeah, I'm going to actually take the DJing seriously. But oh, the, the other side of that for me is that, I was like frustrated as an event organizer. Organizer, yeah, yeah And of I was like, I'm never going to book that DJ again. So for me, I know that like, I can go, if someone books me to play something, I need to play that basically. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, if I want to be booked by that person again, or if I want them to refer me, you know. True. Obviously now I'm at a place where when I, when I DJ, a lot of the times people say, just do you. Like, um, Yeah, um, you, built your, you built that credibility yeah, for yourself, right? yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, but definitely in the early stages for me, it was like, I was definitely going to to do the best job for to impress, but like some DJs think to impress is at ten o'clock to play the Drake and to play you know, all the all the, <laughs> yeah, bands yeah, the and big stuff. boys, yeah. And um, but like so, like my friend um, who I went to uni with, she started DJing a few years ago, and um, she was asking me for like a set and stuff, and um, she'd been asking for a while, so I was like, okay, you can do a warm up set at my um, my event. This sure. is back in London, yeah, and then. I was watching her and she was just playing all the bangers and stuff. And I knew straight away she was trying to impress me to be like, look, I can play all this stuff. But she wasn't thinking about the night as such. Mm. So sometimes it's just a conversation with DJs and being like, look, as much as I know you're seeing this as an interview for yourself, the actual way to pass that interview is to actually warm the night up properly. Exactly. Um, But some DJs think, oh, I need to play the bangers to to impress to be noticed to, be be no- to get yeah, into, yeah 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 and um once i explained that to her she had the eureka moment and stuff and i think the reason why no one explained it to me as a dj is because i used to curate events beforehand so i already knew that you know from, exactly yeah, yeah yeah so you had that that experience of how it kind of
0: should run and I, mm. this is actually a good point this is something we didn't touch on earlier so mm. you said you've run like you've been running events for you know quite some time ta- quite some time now on different scales and so yeah. on so i guess what for you in your mind is like what makes a good event Mm. what is what like what is it that you can finish you know the event's done you go back and you're like
1: yeah that was a good one or that was a, a bad one maybe mm. i think finances aside you know like yeah. obviously yeah yeah you, of you know, course i need to make a profit but i think for me what makes a good event that i've run is if if the customers are happy ultimately if the the guests are happy they, and and the music has been you know to a high standard okay um, those are to, to me the 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 two things I know I need I need everyone that's come there to have had a positive experience a good experience to the point where they'd actually want to come back again and the music needs to be to be good sort of like you know there's been times when I've done events and you know like you know I've booked a DJ and perhaps like I listened to a mix and the mix made me think that they could do certain things and then when they were there they, they you know they they couldn't yeah, do was, it. yeah yeah and then that then to me makes me conscious that oh people might not be enjoying themselves as much. So I think for me, yeah, that's the main thing for me that makes a good event is if if the people are, are happy, you know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And I guess people
0: <clears throat> it's I guess that memory, mm. you know, like, you know, the customer saying, oh, yeah, that was that was a sick event. You know, I can't wait for the next one. I guess that's what create. I guess that's what give you that vibe. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. I feel yeah. that um and coming on to i know you mentioned um earlier that um when you made the trend the transition you had already been like doing it for a while like djing and stuff mm-hmm. but then you started like you know getting booked for like bigger gigs and so on so but you said earlier that you didn't consider yourself a professional for a while which i thought was you know very interesting mm-hmm. so could you tell us i guess at what point you felt that you know i'm i'm professional now and like this is like i'm that you get that i guess inner confidence that no th- this is gonna work
1: yeah so for a long time i i didn't see myself as a, a professional dj you know sure. i was i was still a lawyer i was still focused on on my career um and i just saw it as like a side hobby you know like i'd bring a few friends along and we'd have some beers and stuff and you know i'd do djing and that and then um i guess like as i started getting more i actually had imposter syndrome like i was like like should i be here like i'm um, you know i'm 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 a lawyer like why am i you know and i didn't want djs to know that i was a lawyer as well you know mm. and all of that sort of stuff um and then i think for me the type i don't know there was a shift at some point when i was like do you know what actually yeah, i'm actually a professional even though it's not my profession because people were like oh do you dj professionally and then and i know sometimes when people ask that they're asking do you DJ full time? Sometimes that like they're like okay. as in because you know like if I'm a, if someone says you're a professional lawyer, you'd assume that you know they work full time as a lawyer, right? True, So yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I I knew that when people were asking me do I DJ professionally, they were asking me if I'm a full time DJ. So my response was always um, I DJ. Prof- I'm a professional DJ, but it's not my profession. If that makes sense? Yeah, yeah, um, I get you. Yeah, And yeah. Um, and the moment when I started saying I'm a professional DJ but it's not my profession, that's when I and I noticed a shift. And I think it was probably when I realised that people had started to buy into me as a brand. Yeah. And um and that's when I was like, okay, yeah, actually I'm not just like a, a bedroom DJ anymore. I'm not just someone who you know, like like we am um, when we went to um was it to Holidays or something like that and then and then I can't remember I was having a conversation with With someone um and and then um grace was like oh um um he's a dj and then and then i think someone's like oh everyone's a dj but then i think he was thinking oh he's a dj in terms of like everyone's a dj you know like everyone has a usb stick and mixes and you know like and stuff like that and then um and i don't think they and so i obviously what he probably perceived me to be as a dj is what at one point i would have perceived me to be you know like i'm a dj but so is this person you know everyone's a dj whereas now like i'd say i'm a professional because people buy into me as a brand and people exactly subscribe to to what i do and stuff so
0: yeah mm. and i think um i think you made a uh, a good point that, yeah, about you know the importance of brand and people to buy into you because that's what gives you the credibility to get more mm. opportunities to get bigger events to get you know all that kind of stuff but I was also thinking, uh, as you're speaking just now, like I remember when I first was learning how to DJ on mm. the CDJ 200s and learning literally like how to like, beat match. Yeah, but yeah. now, as you know, with all the like new equipment and stuff, you could be a DJ and without have just like syncing and like, you, yeah. know, like you, know, <laughs> it does, you know, it does that. So I think it's become a, a lot easier for people to become DJs, mm. but I still think that if you learn the old way, Because I guess that's how you really train your ear and, you know, like press that Q button like a million times, like, ah, ah. (laughs) So, you know, times to play. So do you think that it's it's crucial, like to become a good DJ in in, in, like now, 2021, Mm -hmm. do you need to have that like, I guess that background or like foundation of genuinely like the analog version of learning how to beat match and Mm -hmm. like listen like really train your ear and stuff. Or is it now
1: that's not really a a needed thing
0: anymore and like you can still do good?
1: It's a that's a very good question because and I have this conversation with like a lot of my DJ friends and I think like you know like for example there was um there's an artist called Wizkid and he had a London oh yeah Wizkid of course yeah yeah yeah. he had had his like London show and um. The DJ that was sort of warming up for um, Wizkid um, had like a controller it was like a small controller that they'd put on top of the decks and um, like you know you could clearly see that like they didn't know how to beat match it was syncs and stuff and me personally like I for me because I was a music lover before I became a DJ yeah for me I have no issue with people who love music wanting to share music you know and ultimately that's what a DJ, DJ is doing is sharing music, playing music to an audience. And like, it's a, I know a lot of DJs that would be like, it's not proper DJing and, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Me right now, where I'm at, I feel like, as long as they, because also with DJing, it's about music selection as well, track selection True. and yeah, stuff. yeah, of course. And like, for me, I'd feel like, for me, I'm glad I know how to beat match, you know, the old way. Yeah. And I'd feel like, I've cheated the DJing system if I if I didn't know how to do that. But, yeah. you know, I'm not going to be snobby at someone that, you know, doesn't know how to beat match, you know, like um, like technology, you know, it, technology arrives in various sectors and industries, you know, and, and it changes the way people do their jobs and stuff. And naturally that's going to happen to DJs, you know, like, for example, I can play on turntables, but I know a lot of DJs from my generation who can't, and I know that the turntable DJs are looking at DJs who are using CDJs yeah, and, yeah, like, and the same thing. So <laughs> like you know, and maybe in ten years time, like the the there'll be I don't know some next device that these controller DJs. Where you are, are right, can, now, I guess, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. I think ultimately, as long as the that person can read the audience and you know has the good track selection as well, um, but then you know there's certain things that I think should be reserved for DJs who can DJ in a traditional sense. Um, you know like even stuff like you know you have like on you know like youtube like the red bull championships and stuff yeah and yeah yeah like that all of like that the scratchers and, like and that, that yeah. you know okay. that Respect. yeah like that will never change i think you know that will still be you know a platform for those dj's and that you know so yeah yeah mm. i think i think you made a good point that you know as
0: time goes on the the i guess the the old guard the people who were in it before before you mm. before you had this technology or this thing that makes it easier for you to do are always going to look at it i'm <laughs> probably always going to look at it in that way so i think yeah, you know yeah. i think that's a good point um but in the sense that i guess we talked about branding um but le- if we took the branding i guess out for for a second and we just focused on like the djing aspect there's so many djs in the world and there's a lot of very good you know there's a lot of very good djs who be more technical than you could read a room better than you so i guess how do you make yourself, I guess, stand out? Does mm. it all come back to the branding? What, like, is that what you think? You know, or how, yeah.
1: what, do you, what what's your take on that? So, like, one of the, the things that I learned very early on in my in life and in in my corporate career in particular is it's all about perception. Sure, um, everything is perception, and so, you know, again, you know, like you'd go to so if you went to a job interview, like you wouldn't because I, I started to look at myself and I, I asked myself, are people looking at me as a DJ or as a lawyer? And I was like, you know, I think at the moment, if someone was to go on my Instagram page, this is like five, six years ago, they would see Giovanni and see him as a lawyer who DJs in his spare time. Right? Yeah. And I was like, I want to shift that. I want people to look at me and see me as an international DJ, you know, like. So for me, I then started to look at the perception and I was like, you know what? I need to document my journey more, you know. Even if I, you know, because I was doing Ibiza like and stuff like that, but I wasn't really documenting it, and yeah, you know, so yeah, I, I started to, you know, I I paid a videographer to to like shoot me DJing in um, in Ibiza and stuff like that. So then I posted that, and I was like, let me just these small little things that help create the brand, Japan yeah, exactly, and stuff, you know, yeah, then, yeah. It meant that I could then go to another like organization or whatever and be like, oh. Um, I'd quite like to play for you or, or they'd approach me and they'd be like, can I see your profile? And then they'd be like, okay, he's done this, he's done that. Okay, yeah. Do you know what? Like like by nature of him being at these places, he must be good. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, exactly. And then they're more likely to buy into you. So yeah, I think branding is, is, is very important for anything, you know? Um, yeah. And definitely even for DJing in order to, I guess, propel your career like to the next level and stuff. Um, and I think... A lot of, certainly a lot of DJs in London are, are now cutting in onto that. Okay. I think I was okay. probably one of the, like quite early on, I caught in onto it. So, you know, I made sure I had my website, made sure I had business cards, made sure I had like logo and, and like a press kit and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. And, you know, whenever I did do anything, so like whenever I did, so I did like Top Man, um, I did Wingstop and I did like all these like store activations and stuff. I was made sure I had a videographer there with me to capture to it. To capture and, all of it. Yeah, 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 yeah of yeah. course, because I guess that's, like you said, the More content you have,
0: that's the more social proof you have, and mm. the more credibility that builds you, right? Yeah, yeah. Speaking on uh, this is funny, we didn't get into it last time, so I'm mm. happy. Speaking about business cards, yeah. So yeah. I saw a funny story. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not gonna ruin it for anyone, and you know what I'm talking about, yeah. So yeah. I, I was like, because I was looking through like Instagram, and I always do research, you know, my guests and stuff, mm. so I went like to this, I'm like. Okay, just clicked on this and I started reading. I'm like, "What the fuck is this? I, <laughs> this is nuts." Yeah, yeah, you know. But I also like, I'm not gonna ruin it for anyone. Why don't you tell us the story that I'm talking about? Yeah, so um, <laughs> that's fantastic. <guys.
1: laughs> so this is one of the the things that made me leave, well, like, enabled me to leave law a lot sooner yeah. than I'd planned. I'd I'd had like a five year plan, yeah, and then this made me leave law like within a year of making that plan. Um, and basically um. I went viral um, because yeah. I gave Prince Harry my business card and said I want to <laughs> DJ your wedding and stuff and then um, it gained a lot of traction and I ended up on like ABC News and CNN BuzzFeed, Buzzfeed yeah. um, Good Morning Britain um, literally everywhere and, and then it got to the point where like they were calling my office um, to try and speak to me and so like this was when I was like Nissan and then like HR was, like Giovanni take a week off till it dies down and then come back and during that week off you know like I did loads of TV interviews, radio interviews. Um, I did um, a, a Snickers advert with Elton John. And oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, insane. Yeah, yeah. So, like, all of this stuff happened. And then I was like, I can't go back to the office after this. <laughs> <laughs> so, I just said, look, guys, like, I don't know if, I'm, if I can come back. And they were like, oh, they had a feeling that like this might happen. Um, but because they didn't want to get in the way of the opportunity, especially because there was so much media around, like, they they, were, they allowed me to, you know, like normally I'd have to do, like, two, three months notice or whatever, um, like, work two, three months notice, but became to, like, an, an arrangement and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, like, you know, the, yeah, the wedding and stuff, you know, um, that was the, the, I guess, the catalyst for me to, that kind of, like, the moment I had all of that behind me, it just meant that it made it a lot easier just to go into... To open certain doors, yeah, you know?
0: exactly. Because you got so, so much, like, ex, like a lot of exposure, you know, yeah, something yeah. like that. Being on those talk shows and so on. Mm. Did you actually get to play at their wedding?
1: So, yeah, I did. I did. did, yeah, I, I, but I can't. I signed an NDA, so oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fine. That's yeah, fine. So, like, I all I can say is that basically, um, you did, yeah, <laughs> I, like, I, yeah. I can't go into detail or anything like that, but yeah. like, online, there's a couple of bits. About it, you know. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm. That's fucking awesome. So I, I remember I, so I read the article, mm. but then in my head I'm like, it nowhere it all it all talked about like you gave him like the business card, mm-hmm. but it never said like I never found a it like did he play the wedding yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, I had yeah. no idea. So you did. Yeah, yeah. yeah like wow, that yeah. must that's a pressure wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. a pressure wedding.
1: Right. That yeah, that was um. Wow, what an experience. I've yeah, literally. Like. And and it frustrates me because like, even my mum, like I can't, I haven't, there's certain things that, you know. Yeah, respect. Um, yeah, that I haven't even said to, like, I, I did, to be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't think I, at all that I'd even be, you know, within like distance, there's, close distance. Yeah, how did and, you actually like see him and give it yeah, like, so, to them? Yeah, um, so, before before, before I get into that, like sure. one thing, and this is why I, I believe in like manifestation and stuff like, because, um, when they announced that they got engaged, like, as a joke, like, I I mean, I'd never once thought that I would come into contact with them. As a joke, <laughs> I just created a um, a Facebook event page and it was like, Giovanni DJs at a wedding. Um, <laughs> okay. I invited my friends yeah, along yeah. that. And then before I knew it, there was like 300 people attending or whatever, just like as a banter thing. Yeah, yeah. And then like, um, that was like six months before I'd even, was going to even come into contact with them. Then the radio station, so I used to do a lot of stuff with um, a radio station, a community station and called Represent. and Should um, I represent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, they are partially funded by the Prince's Trust. Oh, um, okay. So okay. Prince, well, Harry and Meghan's first like public um, outing as an engaged couple was to come to the station and see what, you know, the projects that the station had going on and stuff. And I remember I took a half day at Nissan um, and like I said, because of this whole imposter syndrome, I didn't want to go to the station in my suit, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I took my half day at Nissan, and then I had to go all the way home. To, I don't know why I didn't bring my stuff. I, I, oh yeah, because I was in the Nissan head office, which um, which I which I drove to, so oh, I had okay. to drive back home, yeah. and then get the train into where the station was. So I drove home, changed into something more casual, <laughs> and then um, like hopped on the tube to to Brixton, where the station was, and because of all of that, I was a little late, so I. Um, I think we were told to get there for about one, I got there about one forty or something. And so um, it meant that I was at the back. So the some of the presenters from Represent had already gone in to the studio. Prince Harry was in the studio. He was like, you know, just being shown around. Like he was on someone's radio show, they were all talking. In my mind, I was like, oh, I'm not gonna get to meet them, but it's fine. Like, you know, it's this it's, it's cool environment, you know, like it's a nice little day out. Even if I, you know, if I see them do a little video, like from afar or whatever. But because I was the last one in, and I was at the back. There was about 100 people there, members of public who'd been invited. Um, it turned out that that was the front. I didn't really Oh, realize. really? Yeah, yeah. Cause, um, so when they came in, they stopped sort of around, sort of like near the entrance to the studio, outside though. And then um, they just happened to like stop in front of me. So I just tapped him and gave him my business card. And then he was like, what's that? And I was like, yeah, it's my business card. If you need a DJ for your wedding. Um, and then he put it in his pocket and then someone filmed it. From behind me, and then there was like, um, as he put it in his pocket, everyone cheered. Like, and then he was like, Oh, I've got a video. I was like, Oh, send me that. So he sent me the video, and then I just tweeted as a joke. I was like, I like, I, I would before this time, I'd use Twitter like once every seven months or something. So, like, <laughs> I wasn't active on Twitter, yeah, so yeah. I was just, I don't know why. I was just like, I'll just tweet this, like, just slip in my business card. Hopefully, i you know, I'll get the gig. Put my phone in my pocket. About 20 minutes later, they come back out of the studio. Like I said, I didn't get to go in. Everyone's gone. My phone's still in my pocket. And then I take my, well, my phone was like, Giovanni, um, you're on Twitter. I was like, what? So I took my phone out and my phone was just tweeting. That, no That video way. had been played, like, I, I don't know, like, I think across the different platforms half a million times or something. Wow. And, said, and I had like, itv cnn all, all messaging me saying oh can we use your video can we use it so because i was excited at first i was like yeah 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 go for it go for it go for it then afterwards like the lawyer in me came in i was like wait a minute like they're using all these videos and stuff but actually they could pay like they, they still want to push the video they i can probably monetize this like um and, oh really yeah yeah so so um like i'd i'd, I'd initially said yes because of the excitement to like a few people and then they were using it and then um i started getting people messaging me saying oh don't say yeah don't say yeah like um you can monetize this like like, like lad bible they wanted to use the video and stuff and that and then in the end like i was able to monetize that video as well and stuff and into no some way. like from from a few different like publications and that and then um yeah like i i came out the station and then i did an inter- interview with channel 5 ITV and stuff and then but i thought that it was just going to be a day thing like but it just it just kept on like Adoring, yeah, and then, yeah. I remember I was due to go to Paris for work for this conference with Nissan, um, Nissan and Renault. They, they had a partnership, it was a conference. And then, good morning, Britain got in touch with me and they were like, um, are you able to come on the show tomorrow morning? And I was like, I've, I've got to go for a work conference. Can we do it on night Friday? And they were like, oh no, it'd, it'd have to be tomorrow kind of thing. And then, so I was like, to work, I was like,
0: <laughs> like what do I do here? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then... <laughs>
1: Yeah, like in the end, I ended up going on Good Morning Britain and then, yeah, that like, that just, it wow. just, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like literally that, that definitely like gave me the belief that, you know what, anything can happen, you know, like so. Right, like the mm.
0: right place, right time, the fact that you were part of that radio station, yeah, you know, yeah. for a long time, you yeah, know, yeah. all that, like leaving, taking a half day, doing that, like there's so many things that had to happen and even just being there for you to, have the right like the confidence or like you know they're like fuck it like yeah, here, yeah here's yeah. my business card mm. and let's see what happens mm. that's a fantastic story you should put that on your instagram bro yeah yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> you know what? Like, actually so, you should say that on instagram
1: yeah. i guarantee you'll get a million things yeah bro. yeah no do you know what so i used to that i used to actually like have that on my on my even in my email signature at one point it was all there then it got to a point where i was like i don't want to be known as, as just as that yeah yeah okay. yeah so that's why i kind of like I even at one point I like because there's like, there are certain videos on stuff that every so often I'll I'll archive and then I'll put back on on my Instagram and stuff like, um but yeah like for example like KSI and, like they were all oblivious to they didn't know about yeah, they the whale thing and then it was only like it came up in conversation like maybe like a month or two and we was on on the tour on the road and that and then um I was just we were just talking and there was like oh no way I didn't know that like and then <laughs> um like even like my my business partner in Dubai so I I, I met him about. A year and a half ago two years ago and he'd heard about the story and stuff but he didn't realize it was me until about eight months ago and he was like i just realized this you, yeah yeah, yeah. I, was like, <laughs> I was like yeah 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 because yeah. um basically um we um we actually live in the same like tower okay and yeah. um and then i'd met this couple um in the tower and then like we were just speaking etc and then they connected with me and i was like yeah come down to the brunch that we're running and then Basically, like a month later, they met my business partner in the tower, and they were like, um, "My business partner said what he does," and then they were like, "Oh, we met this DJ in the building. He, um, he's really cool. He, and he's, he's done his stuff with Prince Harry." I didn't tell them about the Prince Harry stuff. So they must have just like, searched it out, searched out or whatever. It, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And then, and then he was like, "Huh? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no yeah, that's yeah, my guy. Yeah, 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 yeah." yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Man, that's an awesome, awesome story. Bro. Yeah, that's that's nice. insane. I can't believe like, it was crazy just to read it. I had no idea you actually played it. So, mm-hmm. last question on this. I don't know details, but how long was it after? Did you think when you gave it to him? Did you like were you just thinking about like, oh yeah, that was like I did a cool thing. Okay, all this cool stuff has happened because did you everything that they would come back and be like, yes, like we want. No, it. Like, how, how long did it like? What was the time
1: frame? So yeah, like I mean, because the petition got created um, to like, oh, really? yeah, 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 and it got <laughs> no and gave them momentum, and I think so ultimately, like, um, the, the it came down to uh, like. They were like, oh, you're we'd love to give you this um, this gig, etc." However, like um, you know, the petition thing makes it a bit difficult because from a political point of view, you know, like if someone does a petition and says, "I don't know," like Prince Harry should become a vegan, you know, like, oh, like I see. Oh, you did it for this, but why didn't you do it for this? Why didn't you do it for this and all that? I see. Okay. Um, so yeah, like I can't, yeah, I can't get too much into yeah, yeah, yeah. To it, to it, all and stuff. But yeah, yeah, in yeah. terms of like, did I ever think? you know, from the moment when we give him the business card, did I ever think the chain of events that happened after would have happened? No. No. Nah, like, I think when yeah. I gave him the business card, I just genuinely was like, oh, maybe they need a DJ, you know? Like, yeah. Like, I wasn't thinking, I'm going to give you this business card and and as a result of me doing this right now, I'm going to go viral. Like, it was more kind of just like... You just, in the moment? Yeah, I was just like, let me just, you know, like <laughs> yeah. I do to anyone. It's like, oh, you need a DJ, here's a card. Like, yeah. You know? Um, Hit me up if you need me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah wow man that's crazy Mm
0: -hmm. i had no idea that's awesome that's an awesome awesome story man um i wanted to uh come back to just a couple more questions for you uh jev Mm -hmm. um looking back now i guess um over your career as a dj as a producer as a musician i guess what is the the some of the biggest lessons you've learned like maybe either about the the art itself or just being in that you know that industry or personally for yourself
1: um mm, that's a that's a good question i think for me one of the the i guess the yeah i guess what the big one of the biggest lessons that i've learned is that you create your own opportunities um okay. you know like not to rely on other people to 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 do it for you you know so like when i actually first you know was in like when i finished law school and stuff i remember like trying to get dj gigs in london and it was it was hard, like you know, yeah, of knocking on doors and like you know, and not necessarily you know getting getting the gigs and stuff. But at the same time, I knew that I would, probably wasn't trying as hard because you know I had a career that I was focusing on. Exactly, yeah. But then I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna create my own parties and DJ at my own parties. And then um, from doing that, from DJing at my own events, I noticed that people were like, oh, he's bringing a crowd to his events. Yeah, can let's try and book him for. It. So that's kind of that's when I realised that, you know, you create your own opportunities and stuff like, and you shouldn't wait for someone to hand you something. And it's the same, like, for me, even when I moved to Dubai, I wasn't initially, I, I knew I was going to do, like, Old School punch, but my my goal wasn't to do, like, loads of more other events and stuff. Like, my goal was to do Old School punch and come out here and DJ and stuff. And then I DJed for a couple of pe- people and that, and then... I think eventually, whether because they wanted to get someone more affordable or or what for other reasons, um, I noticed that they stopped um, asking me to DJ and stuff like. Mm. Um, and then in my head, I was like, "Well, I've got other people that are asking me to DJ. That, that's fine anyway." Sure. But I was yeah. like, "I'm just going to set up my own own stuff." Um, and then again, now like because I've set up my own stuff, you know, I've got people that are asking me to DJ like every day of the week, and that, and it's only actually the last. A few weeks that I said to myself actually yeah I'll DJ for other people as well initially I was like I'll just DJ I'm, I'm running three events a week I'll just DJ at those and and that's me I need to really get involved and also it means that if people want to come out and see me DJ they're coming to my events rather than someone else's events
0: gotcha yeah yeah, yeah. and it's
1: only kind of when I went back to London most recently I was like just looking at ways to add to my income and yeah. stuff and like, not that I need to but just because um, i was just like what else could I be doing you know yeah, exactly. and one of the things I was like well why don't I like take on some more dj work you know like so um yeah so like yeah it's just um i think that's the biggest lesson is you create your own opportunities yeah um you know like don't wait don't feel entitled to something you know like work and create your own your own opportunity yeah
0: yeah mm. I re- and I, I respect that a lot man i think that's that's a really good lesson that you've learned for yourself and thing to take and looking at the thing you know <laughs> the entire thing for example mm. you know like knocking or trying to build yourself in such a competitive space, like everyone wants to be a musician, everyone wants to be the next, you know, Drake mm-hmm. or you know whatever there might be. So I can't imagine how difficult it is. So the fact that you've at least been able now to get yourself to a pretty level that you're happy, you're happy mm. with um it's awesome man so congrats uh congrats on that Great, so um i nice. wanted to touch on one uh, just uh come back to the whole uh because i think people would be interested uh, how you started like working with uh ksi yeah, yeah i'm yeah. sure like some of the some of the boys might <laughs> might be interested to know how yeah
1: yeah sure yeah um so ksi that that came about through um like represent again, um yeah, interesting, Represent seems to be like the that, that's
0: the thing. I yeah. you actually saw you did a post about them and you're like, Thank you guys for supporting me from like the beginning and stuff. So yeah, it yeah. sounds like I have a special place, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, you. definitely.
1: I mean there's quite a lot of um a lot of people that have come from Represent. So like I don't know on social media if you've heard of um a guy called Munya. No. He does a lot of um like an Instagram, he does a lot of like memes and videos and content and stuff, but he's really blown up, especially in the UK and stuff. That he started on represent um a lot of the, the the people that are at the top now in bbc and kissing and all the radio and tv stuff in the uk came from represent so for the uk represent is very 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 much a breeding ground for like talent and stuff oh that's awesome um okay. and um so yeah i had my show on represent and we had a dancehall artist called popcorn um performing at wembley arena and i got given some tickets to give away on my show i'd um done a competition and then we had about four or five tickets left and I decided I'd treat like my production assistants so um, we all went along and one of the, my assistants asked if they could bring if he could bring his cousin okay. and his cousin's girlfriend so yeah. I was like yeah sure Like so they came along I looked after them all made sure they got food and drinks and stuff and then a few weeks later his cousin messaged me and was like oh yeah thanks for the other week and stuff um, KSI's team because he knew KSI's team they hit him up they at asking for a DJ and he put my details forward um, and straight there and then in my mind, I was like, like this is why you should always be generous, because like, you never know yeah, exactly. what could come off the back of it. Pay it, pay it forward. Pa- yeah, pay it forward, 100%. Yeah. Like, I did it not expecting anything, and just by me doing that, I was at the forefront of his mind. So then he obviously um, had hit up KSI with my details, and then KSI's management at the time had reached out to me and then asked if I had any mixes and stuff. So I sent him a couple of mixes that I'd had, and um, yeah, like I got invited to... to to DJ for, they had a VidCon show, it's like a YouTube, the YouTube event, right? Yeah, yeah YouTube yeah. event, yeah, um, and he was performing, him and Randolph, so then I came and um, DJed for their performances, and then, yeah, like, we all got along, and then they were like, do you want to come on tour? And I was like, yeah, why not? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, so yeah, we went on tour, Um we did like a UK tour, and then a European tour, um, which was fun, man. Like. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, literally, yeah. it was, it was so much fun, like, um and then, yeah, um, that, we've done about four tours now since then um, that's awesome man yeah we've got another one sort of mid end January and Feb like a UK and a European one okay so yeah so
0: you got just every time there's a tour you fly back and you, yeah, you yeah. go on the tour for and a while
1: and that's this is what I love like is that because I still do the law stuff I've still got like a couple of clients that I freelance with it yeah but what I love is that where I always wanted to be is where I dictate my schedule you know exactly and um, exactly. thankfully like I'm blessed like grateful that I'm able to do that at the moment you know like if I want to go to London, I can just go to London, you know. Like, yeah, I hop don't, on a flight and yeah. just head over, right? Yeah, like literally. Um, and, you know, that's one of the, because um, actually a dilemma that I had, we um, really didn't touch on this earlier actually, um, is that towards the end of last year, begin, actually beginning of this year, um, I basically had the dilemma of going back to the UK and pursuing my, like, my BBC, like a career in B- with the BBC, on BBC Radio 1 and stuff, versus being in Dubai. And, um, you know, having my career, et cetera, and, and stuff like oh, that. That's a, tough, and that's a tough decision. Yeah, yeah. That's a big and, opportunity. Yeah, like, and ultimately I decided to not go back to London because, for me, I'd left, like, my career in law and, you know, I didn't want to work for someone. And, like, going back to the BBC, it's a big corporate organisation. Like, yeah. I feel like I'd yeah. be, you know, going back...
0: As in, a, into a, that, into yeah. That world. As a
1: junior, as well, like because mm-hmm. as much as I'd have a show on Media One, you know, like I'd be very much new in the organization, so I'd have to to put the work in, and you know, and yeah. and grind, and like right now, I'd rather grind to build my own empire. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Rather than like like when I was in my twenties, yeah, I would have, you know, I would done that. You know, yeah. right now right, like, right, I'm yeah. in my thirties, so it's like
0: it's a bit different. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, and I respect that man. And like you said, listening to you know your story about. You know, leaving a you know like the corporate world or like just you know a typical a typical job, and when you're starting to do your own thing, I'm Mm. going through that too right now as well. So like, yeah, yeah. I did an episode, I did a solo podcast the other day. I just released it today about Mm. what I've learned this year as like my first year of starting a business. Like, I did not think you know it would be this hard. You know, you kind of do what I do in the sense that besides the event side, your service is you. Mm -hmm. You're you're the service. You know, you're the whole company. You know, as Jeff and I thought that. Uh, The fact that I don't need other people, you know, I don't have overheads, I don't have a product, you know, whatever, it would make my life, you know, easier. Mm. And I've learned that it's anything but (laughs) it comes with its own, you know, uh, list of challenges. So I think, um, I think for anyone who wants to like take that step. It's not easy, but you know, Mm. If you really love it, I think you know. It's, if you and you can afford to
1: like take that chance, I think it's worth it. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I, I agree, man. Um, and it's good that you you've taken that step as well. You know, like, and that's the thing. Like you you you're never really ready for anything, are you? Um no, that's And true. sometimes you know you you just have to just just do, and then you learn along the way and stuff.
0: Exactly. Yeah, and I think a lot of times, all of a sudden, some we go through this at different points. You know, you want to do something, but there's a million reasons not to, so mm. it overwhelms you. You don't do it, but then. Start and figure it out, kind of like what I did, kind of like what you did, you know. Yeah, you start yeah. And here we are now, like a year, two years, five years later. Um, Jeff, I just have three more questions for you. Yeah, um, sure. So in quite a short amount of time, man, in respect to you, you've done, you know, quite a lot, you know, lots of, you've worked with lots of artists and, you know, toured around the world and DJed mm. here and I got, got this whole set up here. I guess for you, I'm curious, what's the, what's the dream? Or, like, mm. what's that? Like, maybe, from, and like, from a musical side, like, what's like the one dream event mm. that you're like, once I play that, I'll be like, I'm, you know, I'm, yeah,
1: yeah. I, 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 things will build, but I'm happy, you know, yeah. I'm good. I think for me, the dream, the, and, and the, the goal has shifted a little bit. Sure. Over the last, like, year. So, yeah. This time last year, I think my, my goal would have been, to be like the next in terms of stature and being known like say DJ Khaled. Okay. Um, and like All right, that uh, level. Yeah, that level. Going like, going big boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah nice, yeah. nice. Like, um now, if I'm honest with you, my my dream is financial freedom. Sure. And like um and if I can achieve that through doing what I enjoy then then so be it, you know. And like um I think like my, I think in terms of like where I'd love to play. Like I've played some really cool places and stuff. Like I'd love to as a I'd love to headline because I've yeah, got, head- I played them. Yeah, exactly. I played yeah. them before, but I'd love to headline Coachella or Glastonbury. Oh, that would be um, insane. Yeah, yeah. Like um, I've been Coachella several times. Um, you
0: played at Coachella?
1: Yeah, I played, but it's like in the like in the, the smaller tents. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And um, that's not sick though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And but you know like I've been there and I've looked at I've been on the stage and like you know I've seen like whether it's like Diplo or Calvin Harris or you know like Tchami or like you know all these even DJ Khaled there and stuff like and I just felt this thing of like that's gonna be me one day Mm. and I think you know like this last year because I was changing where I lived it meant my focus wasn't fully on the music as such it was I was focusing on on creating an event company out here and resettling relocating. So next year, I'm going to focus on all of that. And I also, I, I want to publish a book next year as well. Oh, no um, way. Have you have you been writing one? Um, I've kind of got in vague, like the chapters and stuff, like cool. um, in terms of like what they're called and what's going to be within them. Um, I just need to start like building it out, you know. And um, so like, that's what I'm going to kind of focus on a bit more next year as well. Yeah,
0: so, that's awesome. Man. I had yeah. no idea you were, uh, you were writing a book. Do we mm-hmm. have a name for the book yet? Just um, so we announce, we can announce it here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
1: um, yeah. I'll, I'll keep the name quite for now. Okay, then, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, fine. Once, that's fine. Once, yeah, because like, it could change. Um, there yeah, is there course. is one yeah, one potential name, but it could change. Once I've finished the book, it I think it might change because even now, like the, it that, feels different. it Feels different a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah to what it was before. So. Yeah,
0: that's fair. I've spoken because I've had uh, I've had a guest on the podcast before that who helps who trains people how to write books so oh, he really? can help you write a book in like 12 weeks oh really yeah 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 it's okay. so from like idea to that he obviously different types of books like different types of stuff but mm. you know if you need a connection i can always put you yeah yeah because be yeah, yeah. he's he's good um and he always said that so he's been writing a uh like when it's a, when it's a maybe a focus book like a business book or a book about a specific topic, mm-hmm. his program works. Mm-hmm. But for example, <clears throat> he's been writing a novel now for over ten years, mm. and he told me on file, he's like I'm put a final date to release it in twenty twenty two. So odd. Mm. Like listening to his story and listening to like what you're going through, ju- as you go through life, as things come up, you might include things in chapters, you yeah, might move, yeah. you know. So the meaning or the what the book is could change too. Yeah, so I get that. Yeah yeah, 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 I yeah. get that. I get that. Mm uh jev i just got two more questions for you my man and thank you again so much for your patience i appreciate it pleasure man um number one these are questions asked all my guests Mm -hmm. looking back i guess either personally or professionally or whatever you know
1: resonates with you Mm. what are you most proud of for yourself um oh that's a good question what am i most proud of um i'm proud there's a few that there's a couple maybe that i'm proud you know that like the you know that I was able to you know go to to law school and you know yeah like I went to law school I was the only black guy in my law school like oh really yeah literally um and you know like even when I went into my law firm like you know like there was a couple in my intake that wasn't you know and so I'm proud that you know like I was able to kind of you know represent where I'm from and you know like achieve a career in law you know and you know and I, and I'm also proud that, you know, I was able to go into music and, you know, like not just be like, you know, not entry level, if that makes sense, you know, yeah. actually excel in that as well, you know. Yeah, so yeah. I'm proud of, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of, you know, to be honest with you, though, the, the thing that, and this was so long ago when I'd done this, but the thing that actually, when I look back and I'm like, that's actually such a an amazing experience for me that I've done was um, like me volunteering in, in an orphanage in Malaysia. This oh, was no like, way. this is all the way in 2009. And I think when I look back sort of on, on all my experiences in life, I think that for me will always like be significant, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess like in terms of like from a music point of view, um, it's weird because like I I don't see... I guess because it, it feels like a lot of the time I'm having fun. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, it almost just feels like, well, just, that was fun. So I, I'm not yeah, like yeah. proud of it, you know, it was just fun, you know. And, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, like, ultimately I guess I'm proud that, you know, I've I've been able to get to a place where, I was, you know, worried that, you know, I'd leave law and, you know, I like, where, where does my life go, you know? Yeah, and it might I'm, not work out, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm proud that, you know, and I'm, and I'm thankful that, you know, I'm where i am today you know so yeah mm. yeah that's awesome man and
0: i think um it's interesting that you said that you don't look at it as like work because you're, you're having fun doing it mm. you know what i mean it doesn't yeah, yeah. feel like a milestone it just feels like you've had fun and it's a thing mm. um but i think um you know to make that huge transition and to take that big leap i think anyone who does that is it's admirable and respected um and cuz a lot of times it doesn't work out but for you it has so congrats on that my Thank man uh, yeah, that's awesome yeah. and mm-hmm. joe for my last question that i ask all my guests
1: what is the message you'd like everyone to take home with them today um i think the the key messages i'd like people to take home are um if you're trying to you know start something or or pursue something be consistent um but also don't wait on anyone to mm. take your shot, you know, to shoot your shot. Like using even just the Prince Harry example, like, you know, I just shot my shot and, you know, if I didn't shoot my shot, then maybe we would meet, like I wouldn't be on this podcast, you know, maybe we would have crossed paths yeah, because, yeah. you know, I'd probably still be working on that five-year plan to leave law, you know? Yeah. Um. Yeah. so I probably wouldn't, you know, have come to the buy in the way that I have and stuff. So I think, Always shoot your shot. Whether you're you work in a corporate environment, and you know, and you wanna you know you wanna take on some more clients within your business, or you wanna kind of work on a new project, or you wanna like push for promotion and stuff, ask the question because if you don't ask, it's always going to be no. Um, yeah. And then I think yeah, like branding, always, always, you know, think about yourself as a brand. Whatever you do, whether you you're working in the corporate field or whether you're working in the creative spaces your brand essentially like in the sense that like when you go to an interview like I mentioned earlier like you go to an interview you wouldn't go into an interview wearing a tracksuit bottomed if you're applying to be a lawyer or an accountant or something or an architect so and the reason why you wouldn't do that is because you know that that you're going to be looked at as oh this doesn't fit with the brand of what we're doing so exactly so work out where is you want to be and work out does your brand you know work for that and you know just branding it so yeah yeah
0: mm. man that's awesome uh, I think uh, I really like what you said not the, not necessarily about the consistency but you know take a shot mm. you know don't wait around for people to you know for it to come to you um, I think that's something that's a even something that I didn't maybe realize enough of myself as well so mm. it's really um, it's really really great advice um, and like you said <laughs> that one event that small like incident that one second you know has led to you know so much for yeah. you. so I think it's a That story is a great reminder of why you should be doing that. And like you said, always think of yourself as a brand because you never know who's looking and what you, you know what they might need you for This is it, yeah, yeah. so yeah. i think that's awesome advice man jeff i want to say thank you so much for no, coming on the nice show bro me, yeah this has been so much fun and it's been an absolute pleasure man i've learned really love the conversation even with round two we dove into other yeah, areas yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's been fun really, no, really been fun. fun yeah um for if people want to connect with you follow you get in touch with you how can they do that yes let us know
1: yeah no, sure so you can get at me on instagram um Giovanni letford J-E-V-A-N-N-I-L-E-T-F-O-R-D. Um, and yeah, I'm contactable via that. That's probably the best way. The um, okay. website is Um And you can send me an email via like the website as well. But Instagram DM is probably the Instagram fastest. Instagram DM. Yeah, all yeah. All right,
0: done. So guys, you got all the info. In case you want to ever get in touch, Jeff, man, thank you so much again for coming on the show. Pleasure, man. Guys, to everyone listening, as always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, follow the podcast, subscribe, comment, share at hope.it.helps with two S's on Instagram and everywhere else. And as always, guys, hope it helps. Peace. Peace.